Tell everybody. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell them. Silent Breed is people! This is the Cinema 9 Podcast. Michael Govier, Travis Roy, and Eric Branch from three human beings talking about movies. Today's show, we're going to dive into Soylent Green, our first show that is based on a movie from the 1970s. Travis chose this one. So this is true. I, I thought about some 70s movies here and there, but it seems like it's getting farther and farther away. I don't know. I get less motivated to pick them. <laughs> Um, well, like I like I said last episode, I think that also part of what we're doing on this show is a lot of time we're looking at stuff that are not quite classic, like not quite old enough to be classics, you know, a lot of times, but and we're trying to see how we feel about them since. And a lot of this, if you're going back in the 70s, it's like, well, most of the ones I'm even aware of are, are some sort of classic for, for at least some reason. There's someone behind it that's like a, you know, a legend or something. Makes That's hard. true. That's, that does make it challenging. Uh, Eric Branch from Griffith, Indiana. The 70s were always a specialty of yours, weren't they? <laughs> I have a very high appreciation for the the films of the 1970s. I mean, it, after the collapse of the studio system, that's when the true artists started coming because they weren't under the confines of the stages and the uh, megamaniacal uh, CEOs like Samuel Goldwyn and the Warner, you know, Doug Warner and all those. I mean, that's yeah. when we truly had these rogue mavericks coming in. Scorsese, Lucas, Spielberg. But... Also, I don't know what's going on with my webcam. I look like I'm, I literally look like I'm being lit by Janusz Kaminski right now. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but it sounds he's, like someone important. He's a cinematographer for Spielberg, and he's the one that we were remarking on, I think, three <laughs> episodes in a row now, uh, where it looks like he's always shooting aliens coming in from outside if it's interior <laughs> shots. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I recall that. Yep. It does look like you're. Uh, you might have a tiny fog machine on, just tiny. No. Yeah. It's like I'm in heaven. I'm, it, I, I passed away this yeah, morning, but I'm coming you live from heaven. Now. You're on the brink. You're at St. Peter's Gate, right outside the door. That's right. We need some like rotoscope green smog kind yeah. of put in there. Is what mm. we need. Get that would be very greeny. apropos for Soylent Green. That's right. We're going to do Soylent Green later in the show. Does it hold up or not? We do that every single week. It's fun. We'd like to have a good time here. We thank you for subscribing to the YouTube channel. We're almost to 300 subs. That's pretty impressive for us. Yeah. That's hard to do. So. We thank you for, you know, that exchange of, I don't, were we doing something for someone else? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate it all content. the same. Yeah. I know that Eric has definitely been um, very active in, in engagement, which we appreciate. 
put yeah. forth effort. Yeah. That's right. And we push, we appreciate the effort that you put. But, let me try that again. We appreciate <laughs> the effort that you all are putting in as listeners, uh, and, you know, rank, uh, ranking us y'all? and rating us and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What you're, now you're going to you comment type out on me y'all? saying y'all? You've known me since y'all. I was 11. Now you're going to comment on me saying y'all. Y'all. I've no, no. I'm y'all. just wondering when you type it in a text, do you do Y-A apostrophe L-L? But if no, if like, I'm if I'm talking apostrophe? to like if I'm talking to like you guys, yes, Y apostrophe A L. But like real Appalachians, they'll type you Ooh. all. In oh, my, in my experience. Okay. okay. You know what? I did not know that. But what I do know is uh, we love doing the show. And one day the show will be so big, we'll have so many subs that there'll be advertisements before you even watch this. It will happen <laughs> one day, and you will be annoyed. And I'm sorry. That's just how life is. I got screwed, by the way, guys. I can't believe I fell for it. I'm not above this. I'm a fool like anybody else. There was an advertisement on a YouTube video I was watching, and I thought, you know, it looked pretty reputable. It was something for, like, an ear cleaner, like, get the earwax out of your ears. Oh, man, I got ripped off on that thing. Yeah, I... I got some Q-tips, but this thing's supposed to be called the the Viddler, the Tefiddler, or something. It had some weird... It was from Eastern <laughs> Europe. It took forever to get here. Uh, it was a waste of $40, guys. You're supposed to turn it, and when the mechanism turns, oh, it catches the earwax deep in there and pulls it out. That was all bullshit. I got an Eastern yeah. European like beard straightener that was like, I don't know, the, the, flim, <laughs> it's, it's the flimsiest piece of plastic ever. It may as well come out of like, a McDonald's Happy Meal. <laughs> it didn't do shit but get hot and threaten to burn my house down, so I just never used it again. <laughs> I'm not putting anything electric in my ear and hoping it catches shit out of it. I'm getting like epi- I'm getting flashbacks from our Fire in the Sky episode right now. <laughs> Man, Robert Patrick's been on the show a lot, hasn't he? I was just thinking about that all of a sudden. I thought about Peacemaker and that. Uh, I exaggerated actually when I said that. I apologize, but we forgive you. Love doing we the show. We don't forget. And thank you for the forgiveness. Uh, you know, I checked our <laughs> emails and did we have an email or not? True or false? Uh, uh, False. Hmm. I think false is the correct answer. Uh, no emails, but we do love when you it guys reach out and connect with us. It is fun to at least mention it. <laughs> Cinnamon iPod at protonmail.com. Oh, I lied. We do have an email. Yay. Right. Oh, my God. Thanks for emailing What a shocker. Whoever emailed us. Yeah. It's a repeat emailer. I'm not going to lie. It's not no. a new emailer. Hey, that's okay. Um, we appreciate it all the same. Yeah, it's from our uh, former guest host who subbed in for you, Eric, Christian Haraminski. Okay. In. You could watch the American Beauty episode on our YouTube channel or your favorite podcast platform if you prefer audio. That was Christian's choice. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember hearing a correction from Travis regarding the American Beauty episode and Thor Birch's underage... <laughs> right here, if, you, if you're watching, I have a note that's been sitting next to my de- desk that says Birch oh, oh, retraction, retraction, which sounds like a... Like a emo band from the early 2000s but uh it's true he's right uh i was wrong i meant to bring this up before in the show everything's collapsing behind you michael um pay no attention to the man behind the curtain uh the, the <laughs> fix the shit sign anyways uh I'm listening because I'm interested because I was with I sided with you because I listened to that commentary and I swore they said that that window pane separated the double from Thora Birch. Oh, you you heard that, too. Yeah, I swear that's what it said on the on the commentary. But it's a Mandela um, effect. A little research tells me. Yeah, maybe it's a Mandela effect. But some research told me that her parents are like they're in the adult film industry and were very comfortable with that kind Mm. of stuff. And they were on hand like when it happened and that that was her. That's what I read. I'm, I'm I. Stand corrected. I really, 
I got that from the commentary as well, um, which may have just been a bald-faced lie. It may have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, shit. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Christian. We, we meant to bring that up. Also, me and Travis screwed up Barry Levinson and Barry Sonnenfeld on yeah. a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Wag the Dog. We were we mixing those did? two together. Did we both do it? Or did I do it? It's me. I'll take Yeah. No, I did. I know I did for sure. And for some reason, I thought Barry Levinson directed Men in Black when that yeah, just is not I didn't true at all. You, so I guess I do take the fall for this one as well. I mean, that's why we're your pointing fingers. I guess we're pointing fingers. This is like the uh, uh, Copa. It's a correction segment. Come on, it's, <laughs> it's like we're a newspaper. Segment. We're uh, <laughs> producers have winning have been winning the Best Picture Oscar since like 1929. Like so, uh, that's, that's why what, I don't yeah. get wag the dog. Like or oh, any, okay. like any of that. Like yeah, they've yeah. All, yeah, always yeah Travis was the producer. I guess I was mistaken on that as well. I'm I'm filled with erroneous information, guys. Take me at face, <laughs> at face value only. Don't take me too seriously. Hey, at but, least we try to get it right, guys. I, also, yeah, if we I, do I a quick, uh, if we if I can add to the retraction segment, I want to retract my moving emotional tribute to Bill Hurt. It only took a little bit of research to realize that fuck this guy. Uh, <laughs> he attacked Marley Matlin. The guy was a fucking prick. Hell of an actor, but. I do have to retract that moving tribute. And what does factitious mean? I mean, artificially yes. created. <laughs> I know. I, I'm amazed. <laughs> what a word. Eric used this word on a text thread earlier. And me and Mike were both amazed. Because, I mean, I, I took it to mean factual, like another word for factual. I'm like, is this really a word? So I'm like, I've never heard it phrased this way. And I looked it up. And sure enough, it, it means artificially created. What, what a fun word. Because it sounds like it means the opposite of what it means. The more you know. How about Amazing. that? Yeah, isn't that fun? God damn. Yeah, we learn something new on the show every week, and we get things wrong. We try to catch up on the corrections the best we can. But usually we know movies pretty well. Uh, yeah, between we the three brains here, the brain trust. Uh, guys, we're brain trust. That's kind of fun. I don't think I've ever been in a brain trust. No, no, but next time let's save the retractions for the end of the episode so people <laughs> coming in don't come in and be like, oh, these guys are just full of shit. <laughs> these guys are morons. <laughs> you apologize for the last episode for the first half hour. I, Dude, so we have a Mike, half hour of corrections. Uh, <laughs> forgive me, but I didn't get a chance to uh, welcome you back to the great state of Michigan and uh, ask you how your trip to Las Vegas was. Oh, you know, it was very sad because Bills is gone. Bills Gambling Hall. It's just not the same with that. Oh, there. no shit. Yep. With Fat Elvis? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our, our Ellis Island will always be of there. Of course. And it's still there. I took a picture of it, sent it to you guys. Bills Gambling but, Hall uh, Saloon. Yeah, Bill's was a very underrated place. It was a big yeah. one that was close to the Strip that was super cheap. And people who know Vegas, they know like, yeah, that's a that's a loss for the Strip. So. That is where good. you put that's where you put the legendary one hundred on red, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. yeah. I try to make that a yeah. a routine tradition for me. Uh, what is this person's name? Miss Miss T three Nut. Mystery Science Theater 3000 reference? Is that what that is? Maybe. MST3K MST3K. They're, they're a, yeah, they're a Mystery Science Theater 3000 nut. That's, we deciphered it. Hey! Well, MST3K nut. Got it. Yeah, this person says, that, hey, guys, I love Soylent Green. Well, welcome to the show, MST3K nut. I will tell you what I think of Soylent Green a little later, and so will Eric and Travis, of course, who picked it. Who I think we might know how he feels. Who knows? Maybe he hates it now. We'll find sometimes, out. Sometimes, you know, you pick it, and you go back and watch it, and you're like, oh. Turns out I don't like this movie. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. Larry. It's confirmed. Okay. Yes. All right. By the way, I uh, also, that reminded me, and I'm really excited about this, Travis. Mm. 
Kids of the Hall, new seasons yeah. coming on Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's partly why I rewatched them all recently because I was building up. You know, not like there's anything any story there, but just to get in the mood. And I'm very excited, and every one of them has come back. There's there's nobody bowed out. You know, even Foley dragged himself up to the you know to the recordings. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah, all grudges put aside, and they're all there, and that's cool. Yeah. That, this is something I'm very excited about. Oh, I assume you are awesome. too. Oh, uh, you guys want to hear something ridiculous? You've never seen it. You I've never seen <laughs> you one told episode it. of the kids in the hall. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I can't really... believe that. You live in Michigan. It seems like it was a rite of passage. <sighs> yeah, I mean, because we had access to it from the Canadian television st- uh, stations before. Channel 9. Yeah. yeah, Windsor. Right. That's how I, I, yeah. yep. So I, I remember no the first episode I saw. There was Kevin McDonald just wandering down this alleyway, and there's like suddenly this sign telling him to climb up where there's a bunch of girls, and he goes up there, and there's a man waiting to crush his head instead. Yes, fascinating. Yeah, that's great. Oh, by the way, John. Hey, John. Hello, that's Jamie's brother, John. John, hey, John. great hey, to John. see you. I love you, John. I hope you're doing well. John brings a lot of joy to a lot of people. If you ever get to meet John Andrews, and not everybody does, great he's got a lot of humor. He's a big fan of uh, movie quotes and throwing them out randomly. Uh, so this one's for you, John. How about, uh, no, I don't have one. I'm stumped, so never mind. Uh, okay. I've seen a movie. What's a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Will they update the Why Kids in the here? Hall theme song? They better not. not. It be- they better not. not. It better be. Yeah, it, it better, better be, be as men, is. Shadowy, shadowy men planet. on a shadowy Having planet. an average That's- weekend. Yep. Damn right. It better be for sure. I love Shadowy Men. In fact, I got into that because of Travis. Because I saw the show, too. I liked that intro. But Travis actually had like tapes of theirs and shit when we were kids. And yeah. I got into uh, them. In fact, uh, Three Piece Suit was one of my favorite songs of theirs. Ah, dude, that song's so Always good. A, it is a great song. Yeah. Yeah, that that was like post rock. It's not post rock because it's like surf rock, but there's no sports vocals fishing. either. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, so, sports something. Uh, yeah, brain something. candy. Yeah, I think sports is it, fishing. Is, is, was the movie good? Love Dude, the movie's candy. fucking fantastic. I Damn. love that movie. I, I, I have not brought it to the show because I love it. There's no wow. point. Um, maybe it's do it on my yeah episode I, or something. Actually, maybe we should we should have done that together, Travis. That was a actually would have been a good one. I wish now that I think about it. Damn yeah. it. Okay. Oh well. Hey, mistakes were made again. Retractions, corrections will be throughout the show. Cinnamonipodprotonmail.com. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcast. Five star review would be wonderful. Would be very grateful for that. It helps the show grow. It makes a difference. So on Spotify, let's get into the core TV viewing picks on Spotify as well. Look, we uh, kind of stalled out. Oh yeah, the reviews there. That'd be nice. It's a new um, day at Spotify. There is yeah. a five star rating system there. Check it out. Check it out. So I've watched a lot of movies because I'm on sort of a break. Um, to begin with, I uh, I watched a classic film that I'd never seen before, that and I thought of you guys because both of you had said last episode, like, why watch this movie if you know what the spoiler is, what the big reveal is? And I watched Freaks from 1932. I've heard people talk about Freaks. I've read about Freaks. I knew everything that was going to happen in Freaks from beginning to end before I sat down to watch it. Because I just like a nerd like that, but I'd never actually watched it. So I'm like, well, I should probably put this under the old belt. And and it was great because reading it or hearing about it or whatever, nothing, you know, I mean, what would you say to someone who had never seen Fight Club or right. uh, Usual Suspects before? Would you tell them don't bother watching it if you know no. if you know who Kaiser Sose is, if, if you know who the narrator, you know, like you don't need to necessarily. What about this movie? Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. But so uh, Freaks was good i enjoyed bon freaks. Bon freaks. Bon 
Yeah, Gunga Danga, whatever it is, Gunga Dunga. We have a random question. Should I watch this? I don't know if we can answer this for you. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned. Maybe we'll, I don't know. Or maybe he's, he talking, got, maybe he's asking, yeah. should I watch this video, you know, this clip, this YouTube video of us <laughs> currently? He could be asking, yes. should I watch your show? Yes. Watch your show? Do you guys yes, suck? Please Sounds like you uh, retract everything you say. <laughs> Sounds like you guys are pretentious pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I watched uh, Drowning Mona because I'm gluttony for punishment. I don't know why. I've seen it before. Oh why would I revisit this? The cast is fucking nuts, man. And you got, I mean, you got so many people in this movie. Will Ferrell, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, there's like they're bit players in this one, but I mean, you know, it's just a William Fickner, Bette Midler, Casey Affleck dressed like Happy Jack through the whole thing. It is, uh, it is not a great movie. Don't bother revisiting. Um, another classic I'd, I'd heard a lot about but never seen before was Breaking Away from 1979. This was good. I, I get the hoopla. It, it definitely kind of made me think of Diner and like other movies, like, like The Big Chill and that there's a, you know, guys like yeah. 10, 15 years, people like 10, 15 years older than us right. kind of hold. Could be called movies. Hangout Movies though, Trev. You don't love um, Hangout Movies. I don't love Hangout Movies, but I wouldn't say Breaking Away is a Hangout Movie. I'd say that's it's more of a coming of age film. Um, but but it was good. Cool. Um, what else did I watch? I watched a Starling. Speaking of Melissa McCarthy, I, I, you know, I, a lot of people found it, I guess, pretty maudlin. I, I liked it. I mean, some of the CGI was eh, questionable, <laughs> but I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was worth seeing. A little heavy. Um, did all you, the old. I'm, go ahead. I'm I'm so sorry. No. But on the topic of Melissa McCarthy, I'm going to bring this up because she is getting like. For some reason, she's in like this um, weird category where like people are kind of either tired of her or it's too much. Did you see? Um, Can you ever forgive me? No, I've been meaning to. I dude, like her very well. Dude, like, you would you would really like it. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's it's on the old list. I just kind of like. Cool, man. When am I feeling like a depressing movie? And uh, this was really fucking depressing. The premise of this movie, I want uh, <laughs> mm. about it involves child death. So get ready yeah, for that. A lot of Starling. talent there. A dramatic talent. Just if you want to get on a little kick. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's definitely good, and she's worth uh, kicking. Uh, definitely, definitely good. Not, kick, not kick. literally, figuratively. We're going on a kick. Got another retraction what? coming up. <laughs> kick Melissa McCarthy. Uh, <gasps> man, speaking of classics, I've heard a lot about and never seen. I must have built it up a little too much in my head because I liked it, but I didn't love uh, 1981's Cronenberg classic Scanners. I certainly liked it. It was good. I would put it kind of in the middle of the Cronenberg stuff that I've seen. I've seen most of his stuff at this point. I am excited. He dropped that trailer today. Did I didn't you see watch that it, shit. No, I don't watch fucking trailers. Oh, that's right. Oh I, my God. I looked at a couple of stills from the trailer. Awesome. I fa- basically, I fast forwarded through the trailer. I went, Ooh, that looks oh, interesting. what's happening here? And that was, yes. that was the most I allowed myself. And I won't look again until I'm seeing it well on the big screen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, scanners was good. Dude, the main actor, there's a reason why that guy wasn't in shit else. I mean, it, that, that was my main qualm with this movie is that the person that, and the lead actor was not good. I mean, I can't pretend I'm a good actor or anything, but this guy was hard to watch. It was just, it just, it was like fucking, I mean, the, the guy just was just like amateur hour. So that, I had a tough time with oh. that. Um, All the Old Knives, the new um, Chris Pine film and uh, yeah, Tandaway Newton movie. I liked it. I liked it. Slow burn, uh, spy thriller, maybe not for everyone, but I, I was very into it. I was compelled from beginning to end. I thought it was beautifully shot. 
uh, originally constructed, but also kind of familiar in some ways. Um, you okay, Did Michael? You say Tandaway? Did you say Tandaway? <laughs> Andy yeah. Newton. Yes. Her is that how you Tan- say her name? I mean, it that her Tandy is what she went by for most of her career because oh. someone fucked up her name because they couldn't pronounce it or spell it properly, so they went by the short shortened version of her name, which was Tandy. Um, but her actual oh. name is Tandaway Newton, which is how she's uh, once once people like you know uh, she would tell Edgy for started getting big. She's like, you know, why can't I just you know and Lupita Ngano and stuff like why can't I just use my fucking name? So she's like finally yeah. just recently been like. Hey, this is my actual name. I've been using the stage name for because everybody fucked it up, but my name's Tandaway Newton. It looks it's it basically looks exactly like Tandy, like how you'd seen it before, but only there's a W E at the end. So wow, I had no idea this was breaking news to me. I mean, wow. Okay, I I gotta adjust my screen. By the way, we found out <laughs> mystery science C to three thousands nut name is Tara. So hello, Tara. Is it Tara hi, hi. or Tara? Tara, uh, Tara huh? I don't know. Hey, Tara. Right. We got a Tandaway ah. situation here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> trouble. Um, welcome, Tara. Welcome. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and wrap this up. I got a couple other things I watched in here. Um, Metal Lords. This this movie is <laughs> not for everyone. It's but it's it's Tom Morello is one of the producers of it. I mean, it's just like this hugely metal. It's super metal. This fucking Netflix movie that is clearly for kids, but the word "fuck" is used like every other word, and so it's like I don't know who this movie's for exactly. Um, men of a certain age, but I really, really enjoyed it. If you're I'm like, if, I mean, if you're into music, it really made me think of like, play, like I'm not even the biggest metal guy by any stretch. They're talking about a ton of bands in this movie I could give two fucks about, but it was fun <laughs> to watch a movie about like teenage band struggles like just like garage band guys trying to thrash it out and like you know one of them gets a girlfriend they get in fights and they're trying to work it out and like i don't know it just kind of took me back to my high school years and i and i enjoyed metal lords those were some fun times yeah that's cool um you know eric i i i sometimes forget that we don't have the same taste and oh here we go because you say it's terrible and i don't give it a shot and i'm glad i didn't listen to you when it came to the night house i thought the night house was awesome I loved the night house. I thought it was a nice slow burn. It kind of made me think of uh, the changeling or the others or um, burnt offerings, you know, these kind of like slower burn haunted house stories, but with a little bit more jump scares and a bit more of a twist on it, but really beautifully shot by David Bruckner, his follow up to the ritual, which I also really enjoyed. Uh, And this script is coming from the guys that did uh, super dark times and Stephanie, another couple of really good indie horror pictures. So I, I I couldn't disagree with you more. I was really engaged in the night house, but I could understand people finding it slow because a lot of the reviews I read, people found it slow. I'm glad you liked it, man. You did. All right, I'll wrap this up. I watched a couple TV shows. Severance is as good as everybody says. It took me a little oh. bit to get into it, but man, that season finale was a fucking burner. That was awesome. And I got two more episodes left, but I'm loving uh, Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max with Reese Darby and Taika Oh, I've heard that one up. The pirate I keep song. skipping over that one. Dude, I hate pirate shit. Like, I never, like, I never liked any of that stuff. <laughs> I hate all all those fucking movies. So I was really unsure about this one, but finally a pirate that you appreciate. It's not even bothering to pretend to be authentic. So it's like, just enjoy. It's a comedy, but it's got a heart. You know, it's, 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 it's good. It's funny. Who are the showrunners? I believe Taika Waititi. Oh, okay. Ooh, I know that person. I'm familiar with that work. 
he's pretty well renowned for good reason and he's acting in this as well and he plays blackbeard and it's a delightful <laughs> i gotta tell you I don't love pirate stuff either, but sometimes it'll hit me. And I'll be like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of digging this. Uh, by the way, we've discovered with it's like okay. Tara Reed. So Tara, it's not Got Tara. It. Got it's it, Tara. dude. Got it. There we go. Got right. it. Tara also, she really enjoyed the Nighthouse. Some very clever setups for the okay. monster, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I thought okay. it was clever. That, that's the word. Watching paint dry, too. Okay. Uh, we, get, we already I heard your it. review a few episodes back, bud. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Tara, for sharing your thoughts on the Nighthouse. You guys can always sure, share your absolutely. thoughts on movies anytime in the live chat or email the show. Of course, I didn't finish his email, so I feel like I disrespected Christian. I know we were sure. caught up oh, in that. Shit. Let me just finish it really yeah. quick. It said the ending was... Uh, blah, 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 blah. But I don't remember hearing a correction from Travis regarding the American Beauty episode and Thor Birch's, Thor Birch's underage breasts. Yeah, he can be very convincing with his fake news. Referencing Travis, I believe. Wow. We cannot let the radical media ignore the truth. The truth Kids being her parents were fucking... <laughs> the truth being her parents were fucking creeps. And so was Mendez, for that matter. Don't placate me. Don't give up on me. Christian, there you go. <laughs> you know, we don't we have to read all that. we get. <laughs> it's true we don't we really no, but, don't but uh I thanks did, for email yeah thanks <laughs> you uh, you raise good points there friend friend give as good as you get all right eric brandstrom uh yeah man uh not too much this week still still i'm trying to climb out of that quagmire of cold case files i love this program can't get enough <laughs> um yeah every, every single episode it's the same thing last night i watched four episodes all they had to fucking do was go into storage, get the DNA swab out of that box, put it on CODIS. There's your killer after 30 fucking years. What's going on here? How is there not a law? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I got to be honest with you guys. And I got to get this oh, out of the way. And I, had to, and I had to admit it. <laughs> I, I have been spending a lot of my time <laughs> watching the uh, watching the live uh Johnny Depp <laughs> Amber Heard trial. Oh, uh, I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, like you can watch the entire trial with all the testimony. Johnny Depp's there. You can see his reactions, and they're bringing in witnesses like his sister, and his sister's talking about like their childhood together and how they're uh, raised by an abusive mother and a um, very taciturn father. Like, if you're a Johnny Depp fan like me, and I only bring this up because. I'm thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, well, Christ, Jack Nicholson and Daniel Day-Lewis are my favorite actors, but they're both retired. So who is my current favorite actor? So I'm stewing upon this for many, many hours when I'm the supposed cage? to be teaching my class. And yeah, that, that name bandied about for a while. Then I'm like, well, Christ, man, I'm a big <laughs> fucking Johnny Depp fan. Uh, so don't put me on this jury because I will be completely biased, man. I, I, I love his work so much. And just to see him... Um, sitting in there during this uh, testimony of the, these character attacks and assassinations, it's rough, man. And I, I don't know the truth from 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 Adam, but it's really interesting in terms of like <laughs> in the entertainment world, man. It's a big story, like uh, because it fucked his career. I mean, we're talking about a leviathan in the industry, twenty million Did quote, it? a picture. I and now he, he's nothing. He was well. For one, I don't know that he's nothing. He's not Kevin Spacey, right? Um, and for yeah. two, he's not that big of a pariah. Uh, and for two, I don't know that his yeah. career was doing that awesome when all this came up. 
Like he was kind of starting to teeter a little bit anyways, I think. But I'm with you, man. I'm Black totally, Mass 2015. I, yeah, Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. He's, Warner yeah. Brothers ripped ripped this franchise away from him that had yeah, the, but, the potential to yeah, invigorate him. Okay. Did it, though? Because, I mean, that's the second one didn't exactly take off. And no one's excited about the third one. And it's not because he's not in it. There's all kinds of problems yeah. with that uh, franchise that he might be very fortunate to be pulled out of it in the, in, in the end of the day. Um, I think oh. it's a fucking train wreck. And it's just getting worse. I mean, they're canceling. They, they haven't officially announced it, but they're probably going to cancel movies four and five on that one because, I mean, you got Ezra Miller issues. You got J.K. Rowling issues. Yikes. You got the Depp issues. But again, I'm I'm on Team Depp, dude. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we're never going to know what happened. We weren't in that relationship. But everything I've read, it sounds like just sounds it, very painful and like yeah. just like like a lot of shit and like. It, It'd be nice to see just everyone happy and um, you know uh, complacent and whatever. But it's it's tantalizing shit, man. And yeah. I I'm sorry, I can't get enough. Um, okay, the Wolf huh. Hour 2019. Mm-hmm. I'd watch Naomi watch Naomi do Watts. laundry for eight hours. Yeah. So I hit play. I was disappointed, man. We got a great oh. premise, man. It's this. It's the uh, 1977, the Summer of Sam, and a woman is in New York who is at agoraphobic, so she can't leave her apartment because she's afraid of everything. And we have this uh, serial killer on the loose, and then she starts getting f- harassed by someone uh, at her door. What's going to happen? Nothing. Not much. Nothing happens. Yeah, at the end yeah, of the nothing day, nothing happens. You just described everything that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen Penguin Bloom? <laughs> I beg pardon? Penguin Bloom. Penguin Bloom. I, I named it as one of my favorite movies of the year before last year because uh, it was her and it, it was basically the starling if it had been done right. Um, true story uh, made for Netflix. I'm surprised you missed this one. If you like Naomi Watts, Damn. get on it, man. It's worth checking oh, out. I'm there. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, pass on this one, man. Uh, it's a misfire. Uh, dude, I went back. Taking a Pelham a one two three, the original mm-hmm. with Walter oh. Matthau in a yeah. very strong leading role as the, like the the protagonist. Fucking fantastic, loved it. So Robert good. Shaw as the bad guy, sublime. Hector Elizondo, sublime. Hector Elizondo. Yeah, dude, this is it. It feels like a '90s thriller. It's very quick and and fun, cat and mouse, but it's it's got that '70s grit. Loved it. The, image, the it original out. Mr. White and Mr. Green and all that Mr. shit. Mr. Green and all that shit. Yeah, before yeah. City on Fire, before all that. Uh, fantastic. Other than that, I have been watching uh, Hulu's The Girl from Plainville, uh, the Michelle Carter story. This is the case about the young lady who convinced her boyfriend to yeah. trigger alert off himself. Uh, and it's played so fantastically by Elle Fanning. I've always been like, yeah, I mean, she's fine. She's fucking fantastic in the role. Really recommend this mini series on Hulu. Uh, it's really fucking, it's really fucking good. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, to have a mini series this soon after this trial can seem very Lifetime Network or like movie of the week. But Uh-oh. but I'm I'm seeing a lot of stuff that we probably wouldn't see in something in, in those types of incarnations. It's very artistically told, which makes it a lot more interesting. And the performances are off the charts. Really high recommendation here. Yeah, I kept seeing that being shoved down my throat on Twitter. <laughs> These advertisers, man, they shove stuff down your throat. They sure. really do. It's like they use social media to advertise. You'd think to us. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think can't wait for Emperor uh, Elon to fix all sure. that? Turn your mic off. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk, Twitter, twenty twenty three. Can't wait. Uh, 
Yeah. So, the, by the way, I'll, <laughs> yeah, my two cents on Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp uh, was slipping a bit. I agree with Travis. I thought his career was before the awful, awful relationship there. And I'm a huge uh, Mordecai Amber fan. Heard, yeah, you love Mordecai. You know, but, I mean, that, that bombed. It had nothing to do with Amber Heard. People he's ask his, me, what's your favorite 50s. movie, Mike? My, arguably my favorite movie of all time is Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. So uh, I love Johnny Depp. And I, yeah, I, and I, I mean that now because we were talking about that recently. And I was like, yeah, I, really, I would say that. If I had to do Gun to the Head, I think I would say Fear and Loathing. I think it, it's wow. really a part of me and it has a lot of things to say. But that's a side note. Johnny Depp was a great actor. I thought he's a weird guy in real life. Uh, he clearly is. I mean, but he's lived a bizarre life. So I don't <laughs> yeah, put it mildly. So I don't really blame him, but I, it just seems like. His career comes to a point where he's just so ubiquitous, too, where it's like, what else can you do? Or I don't know how he could reinvent himself. Because he also, a big part of his appeal was his youth. It really was, whether you agree with that or not, or you just like him for his acting. He was a youthful guy, a guy who was always sexy and handsome to a lot of people. And he keeps getting older now. So at a certain point, it's like, you got to let that go. And I think there's a bit of awkwardness in that. That's just my my thoughts. I did turn off... uh his Tupac criminal investigation. Oh my God. I didn't see that one at all. Slog fest. Mm. Hit play. Cause I saw his face. I hit play immediately, but yikes. I do want to see the new one he's in where he plays a famous photographer. That I want to see that really one. fucking good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so know, I can't remember. The name. Yeah. No, yeah. Something about. like that. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Watch, you, you watch know. anything, Mike? Yeah. So I watch stuff. Uh, I watched something on Netflix called <laughs> the worst roommate ever. Gosh, this is yeah. Awful. I watched that whole series. Fucking fantastic. Yeah, it is good, but it's awful. Like it's awfully frightening. If you, I don't, not one of these true crime psychos. Like people are so. I know true crime is everything now, but I like to pop in once in a while because they are true stories. So it's fascinating. And I've certainly been a questionable roommate at times. I've let people down in roommate situations in my life, and I admit that freely. I've also been a good roommate at times. So you know, it's not one or the other. I'm just a mix of many things at once simultaneously. Kind of like most people, frankly. You're a human. So yes, <laughs> I could have just said I was a human being. You're right. In the end, uh, I'd recommend checking it out. It's uh, it's not trying to like make you scared. It's just true stories. <laughs> one of them, the second episode I won, you know, there was like. I'm going to spoil this. I don't care. So if you don't want to hear it, go ahead. I'm just going to say that a woman who was murdered, she fucking called 911 two weeks before she was murdered saying she was terrified of her roommate. And then he actually did murder her a couple of weeks later. It's fucking awful. It's just, there's a, I can't, it's so awful. There's a, there's actually a thing. And I think, I believe it's the series finale called serial squatting. I mean, like, this is a thing. Like if you've seen Pacific Heights with Michael Keaton, you know, the story it's like <laughs> rental fraud. Pacific but, Heights, but basically you can you can sign a lease and like like you're legally bound to just be able to stay there and no one can kick you out regardless of like if you pay or or like like disrupt anything like you can just yeah. stay and unless you're like thrown out by a court like it like which takes like months and months and right. months and oh, yeah. just like hang so out there. I I, I mean like, I had to look into this a lot because I I had some roommates that. Um, maybe would have qualified for that show, frankly. Um, wow. Some pretty horrific conditions that I had to live in. And uh, in Philadelphia, at least, as, as in, in most places, the, the law very much protects the person living there and not the landlord. And while that sometimes, like in, in my case, it you know was alarming, 
uh, that's a good thing. It should protect the people, in my opinion. It absolutely should yeah. protect the people that live there first. And it should take months to get people out of their homes. It should be a process that involves courts and police coming and doing it. You know what I mean? Like it I agree. Be, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be something quickly done. Uh, in, Unless the know. guy's killing your cats and stealing well, yeah, that, that, your furniture, well, that, then you get the police involved, and then you can do that. I mean, if someone's murdering your cat and stealing from you, I mean, like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's not okay. I'm not condoning that, Eric. <laughs> He's not condoning that. He's not condoning that. Big cool. retraction coming up. I watch uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One. Hilarious, dude. This is on my short list. Oh my god, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I wasn't even gonna bring it up because it was on my list too. But I decided oh, to man. share it because I don't. We Hilarious. haven't done a spoof movie yet on the show. But like a you know full on naked gun, parrot like straight up. I don't think we have. Think uh, double check, but nope. But like those are blatant '90s spoofs. Loaded Weapon ones. All yeah. the Leslie Nielsen movies that he did. Uh, Spy Hard shit like that. So this is the best. Oh, it's great. Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson <laughs> are the two leads in a spoof movie, dude. It's fantastic. I mean. I just loved it. It was great to go back and see it because I hadn't seen it forever. So that was fun. And uh, I hope I didn't ruin things for you, Eric. But uh, other than that, that was pretty much it. I did watch uh, the Spider-Man again because you told me to. And I got to tell you, I liked it a lot more and I feel much more comfortable now, Travis. So the second watch did help. It really did. There's just so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. It just slowed down. I'm like, okay, I know what's going on here a lot more. And sometimes you need a movie uh, to give you a second viewing to remind you of, oh, okay, well, now that I'm not so focused on what's happening, I can absorb it. Yeah, that so, yeah. was the case here. How's Moon Knight? I mean, I, I've been, I haven't I haven't really seen Moon Knight too yet. much about Marvel, but like, I my boy Ethan Hawke is there. That's what I'm interested in. Ethan Hawke is probably. I mean, if I was making a list of my favorite working actors, I'd probably put him at number three. I think he's fantastic. Wow. Uh, I really love him, but man, I I. I, I'm See, Malou is throwing shade at him for his uh, Mandarin accent, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm sorry that <laughs> Ethan Hawke doesn't know how to speak Mandarin well. Um, <laughs> You're apologizing for him. Nice. <laughs> On behalf of Ethan Hawke, he, he, should a, he should have done a better job with that. I guess. <laughs> uh, but look, uh, I, I love the MCU shows. I'm, so far, we're three episodes in here, and I'm ready to put this one <gasps> the bottom personally it's not really doing it for me that much um there's yeah. there's still a few episodes to go here i'm liking it don't get me wrong but i'm not loving it yeah oh sorry uh well you announced your gun to your head favorite movie i feel like me and eric should uh address that as well do you have a gun to your head favorite movie eric i don't need a gun to my head favorite movie it's batman 1989 okay that's All easy. Right. Good well, for the, you. Yeah, I guess you, you did have that. I think you've announced that before on the show. Gun to my head, I have to say that uh, there will be blood. I would wow. be interested in a, that's Yeah, that's probably... Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. my number three. May I ask oh. a, a gun to your head favorite working actor? Because this was fucking me up Nick so Cage. much. I'm like, Nicolas Cage. Nick Cage. Dana Lewis. Nick Cage, Willem okay. Dafoe, Ethan Hawke. That's my list right there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I wrote this down because I wanted to answer this question a lot better now because there's better answers than what I've been saying. Why, why are you so, thinking, Travis? You've announced to me many, many times that your all-time like, number like one favorite <laughs> was. We go way back. That's a, one of the beauties of this show. I've got 30 years to draw upon to get these uh, real real stories. Let It Ride <laughs> was always your favorite, all-time number one favorite. Favorite movie? Uh, growing yeah. up, yeah. Let It Ride was my favorite movie growing up. Um, I still... I mean, it was as a kid and then probably as a teenager, Reservoir Dogs. And then 
a little bit later. You know, it's kind of changed over time. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I love Let It Ride. I've thought about bringing it on the show, but I mean, I love it so much. I don't want it to pick it apart. <laughs> hey, absolutely. I think uh, I'm going to say this. It's, it's not the case anymore. Maybe it still is, but I think like I really, really love Wesley Snipes. Like I love his work yeah. and I think about it. And all the movies, I didn't really notice it. It kind of crept up on me. He's he's falling apart. I can't say it anymore. But there was a time where he absolutely was like my favorite. My favorite movie at a time for sure was White Men Can't Jump. And I watched that movie religiously. And everything he did, I was I was into it. But I feel like he never really took a lot of risks. In this, like he didn't, he didn't, wasn't very diverse in the. Yeah. Besides Wong Fu, which was a great risk. Yeah, at a time. Like, Dude, right. to Wong Fu. But that's. Even Blade was kind of a risk at the time, sort of. Blade set the tone for where we are, arguably. Arguably, there's a case I mean, to be made. It's the first good superhero movie in a long time when it came out. Yeah. I was told, I had read that because Blade did well, it was what got Spider-Man made, to, you know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. People were like, all right, let's give this a shot. And X-Men, like that whole early 2000s yeah, was, because yeah. Blade came out in 98, I believe. I remember yeah, I saw it in right. theater, actually, when I was failing miserably at Central Michigan University. We went to the yeah. local college theater. But I mean, they, they didn't advertise that as a Marvel movie. I mean, I didn't know it was a fucking no. Marvel. Well, people, I'm like Marvel people nerd. People know and what that meant. And I didn't yeah, know it was a Marvel character. what it was. Yeah, I didn't know until years after it was Neither out. did I. Yeah, I agree. Possible, just, possible retraction here too, Mike. Uh, you've said on a previous episode, Reese Witherspoon was by far your all-time favorite actor. <laughs> oh, we know this. We, I love Reese. That's true. Yeah, I've it. made that clear. That's true. That's a good. That's a good recall. We need to be reminded of the things we already know. But sometimes I'm always <laughs> I'm always looking for more and new and like who am I leaving out? I guess so. I'm always grasping okay. for more. Speaking, Speaking of grasping you, for more, we're forty minutes grasping. in. Let's. Uh, hey, let's get into you want to talk about? It. What's it called? Southern Green? Yeah, this is a oh, shit. this is a movie. We're gonna do Southern Green, which is Travis's choice today for Does It Hold Up or Not? A film from 1973. Is that true? Unbelievable! That wow, it stars Chuck Heston and yeah. uh, Dick Van Patten pops in, which I was amazed by. That blew my mind. I was like, Oh my god, Dick Van Patten! He's like young. It's so weird. I've never seen him young. So Ed, that was Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole cast of characters. This movie is, God, it's 50 years old next year, and it takes place in 2022. So, Travis, you chose Soylent Green. This was a part of your childhood. You've admitted that freely recently. But also, did you pick this movie because of 2022? I'd actually totally forgotten that it takes place in 2022. That was a happy coincidence. I'd just completely forgotten that. Um, I very literally was just like, I wanted to pick a seventies movie. I had a few in mind and I gave you some options and it was Logan's runner. This, it was close. You're right. Yeah. And there was some comedies in on the, uh, that were options too. So we might, I might revisit those, but you know, so I, I remember I, I saw Soylent Green when I was probably nine or 10 years old and I knew that's, you know, okay, spoiler alerts are coming, folks. Uh, I knew that Soylent Green was people then. This was a movie that my older brother got me into, and, like, we talked about it before I actually watched it. So I knew even the first time that young. And, I, and I've talked before about how growing up, like, um, my mom had a boyfriend that would record videos for us, like VHS tapes. But this was one of the very few in the house that I don't know how. I don't know who spent $100 or whatever on this thing, but we – we not only had like an official copy, it was like in those old VCR cases that were like meant to be the same size as, as the Betamax cases. It was just yes. huge fucking yes. paper clamshell. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, so I grew up watching the shit out of this movie, named a band Soylent Green, which there is a real band called Soylent Green now. Um, it like it was a big part of uh, of my childhood, and I think it had you know I was really early into dystopian fiction, so uh, I was big on Mad Max and I was big on Fahrenheit 451, the book, not the movie. Uh, yeah. and, and so yeah, this was right up my alley. Hey, okay, that's right, right up his Soylent Green alley. Oh, uh, Eric Brasher, do you remember the first time you saw this movie starring Chuck Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Chuck Connors, and more? <laughs> yeah, of course. Last night, uh, it's one of the. It's the Titanic effect. It's the Titanic effect. You know the Titanic sank. What's the point of watching the fucking movie? Well, maybe there's more to the story, or maybe there's <laughs> maybe. some contextual uh, information there, or something you could learn and uh, enjoy. Yeah, there I might be value it. in the journey, not just the destination, right? That's it. That's it completely, <laughs> man. And uh, who do I point the finger at? I don't know. Probably SNL with Phil Hartman. Rest in peace. My yeah. favorite all-time SNL cast member is Phil Hartman. And that's a classic. It's a classic impression, man. Yeah. Uh, and that that's it. Uh, and I think I really think without that, this may have gone by the wayside. Uh, I mean, that would that was such a big aspect of this film. Wait, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm not sure I understand. Without what, it would have gone without. W- without Phil Hartman, so the greatest people on SNL, are people what? still going to be it, talking about this? I was watching it years before that. So I think that may have been uh, an isolated incident. Like I, I'm I not sure people are still it, talking about this. I'm I'm sorry, but this this sounds like some boomer. Or this sounds like some like generational shit here, where it's like, well, I never heard of it, so it must not have been like, the, the generation before us was big on this movie. This movie is a cult classic for. Okay, I didn't know anything about it either, but yeah. Okay, right. I mean, that's I, really you know, really interesting. Uh, but I, I just think that pinning it as success on because you grew up liking the Phil Hartman impersonation is a, a little it, much, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a theory. It's a it's a theory. Okay. A theory. Well, it could have reinvigorated the generation. That's for sure. Who wasn't aware of it? because I wasn't aware of it at all until I heard you talk about it. So yeah, man, it it was last night, and like going in, I was like, well, I know his people, so will I be entertained? Time will tell. Time will tell. Mm, that's a nice teaser. Uh, yeah, first time viewer. Never seen it before. I watched it last night. Or actually, I watched it a couple hours ago. What am I talking about? My power came back on, and I jumped on HBO Max and watched Soylent Green. So we're going to talk about that movie. Fuck. Fuck, I rented oh. it twice. Oh! I rented it twice, well, and I have HBO Max. On HBO Max. Whoever, I got owns fucked it. by just... Yeah. just uh, whatever he made that, that clear on the is. episode last week, my friend. He's yeah. like, it's on HBO Max. That's he on reminded me. us. It's on me. Yeah, it's on you. That right. sucks. You're in it well, uh, it certainly does suck. <laughs> What's the rating? I don't know the rating. I'm going to no say. Idea. I don't know either. So it's an old movie, but that doesn't mean it's you know, a legendary film just because Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson are in it. Uh, boy, I, I'm really stumped on this one, but I still get the feeling, and I'm pretty good with this. I feel it's like a 7-2. I do. I was going to say 7-3. I'll give it sure. a 6-8. Actual retail price. Seven on the nose. Seven wow. on the nose. I feel okay. like this is like we've had the same exact outcome <laughs> the last two or three episodes. We're, We're doing a same. lot of seven, seven ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. I don't know why that is. I, I guess we're doing moderately solid films, according <laughs> to society. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. the just uh, okay choices comment we got the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Just okay. Is that our show? 
If it's just okay, I'll take it, really. That's better than terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 69% from the critics. Uh, that's a little harsh, but it's still a fresh tomato. A fresh 70. Tomato. 70 from the audience. That's a tight, tight unison there between the audience and the critical response. As far as what the actual critics had to say, there's only, boy, I don't think there's a lot of actual reviews because it's old. It was a long time ago, which is sad. Yeah. Goody Coon Sr.? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I only see one page of reviews, so let's go with, uh, how about Nick Shager of Slant Magazine? You ever heard of Slant? That's I a, have. Not Slate, but it's Slant. Um, thanks to Phil Hart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected immediately. There it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thanks to... This is so funny. Uh, thanks to Phil Hartman's riotous Saturday Night Live impersonation of Charlton Heston's hysterical detective wow. from Soylent Green. People who've never seen Richard Fleischer's film know it's surprise ending. Oh, well, yeah, no shit. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. Uh, that's not that's really a review of the film. <laughs> that's more of a statement of fact. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but still, how about David I mean, Hogan? Do we really want to blame Phil for a, a spoiler 20 years after the movie came out? I mean, you know. <laughs> no, especially since his wife murdered him. We'll let him rest in peace. You rest in peace, uh, Phil. Uh, we could try David Hogan of HoganReviews.co.uk. It's a hard one to judge. And while I enjoyed watching it, I don't see myself watching it again. I guess an average score then, but I'm glad I finally watched it. So, yeah, it's like uh, he's glad he watched it, but yeah, he's not going back. Uh, I mean, it's definitely these um, movies that you yeah. probably either have seen or have heard about. I mean, it's like me watching Freaks. You know what I mean? Like it's not right. maybe not quite at that level of, of fame, but I mean, it's that it's it's in the ether. People are aware of Soylent Green. I mean, there's a fucking product called Soylent now. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Is there? Oh, yeah. I and I that. beg pardon, but about are these reviews uh, from oh. the uh, contextually? Uh, these contextual reviews, are these from 1973? Like um, uh, these are 2003. That last one was from 03. So but these yeah, are after, a, much a later. A company of, uh, of gamers manufactured this a product they call Soylent, which is just like a liquid meal. So you didn't have to like leave <laughs> your computer. You can just drink this meal. Sounds right. Yeah. I feedback it. well dude, that, <laughs> feedback. you tried it it's good i tried it i had to um <laughs> what i mean i didn't have to but like i just you know it's so in the green I, you had uh, to you I did have it. to was wasn't it good? good no was it wasn't it good it tasted like liquid <laughs> nothing i mean it's chicken <laughs> it was like broth <laughs> chicken. I remember uh, uh loaded weapon speaking of loaded weapon one f murray abraham chicken <laughs> <laughs> f oh by the way F. Murray Abraham is still alive and he's doing great comedy. I just want people Fantastic. to know that. I want yeah, to get that on the record. He's on he's Moon in that, Knight. What? He's on Moon That, that makes... Dude, see, he's dude, on that man. new show, Mythic Quest, no that's on way. Apple, too. He's yeah. hilarious on that show. So that doesn't surprise me that he's doing more streaming content. All I can think of on Moon Knight is that this man's in his mid-80s, and every time he speaks a word on the show, I'm like... In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I hope they recorded a bunch of random phrases. <laughs> 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 but that voice, his voice is still so rock solid. He doesn't sound old. He doesn't sound quivering. He still commands it. the screen. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I I agree. Uh, Roger Ebert said this. I got Roger Ebert's review. Richard Fleischer's Soylent Green is a good, solid science fiction movie. And a little more. All right. But we're not going to tell you what it is. Anyways, yeah, that's the point the there. So, for that. 
Yeah. Oh, there's a whole one there. They're all uh, categorized and archived on his website. So, so obviously, this is a movie that you can't think of. I can't think of the movie and not think of the ending. And I'm just always going to wonder, what if I didn't know the ending? Like, is it... Because it's not telegraphed too much that it's people until maybe the last... How long is that scene? How long is that whole exchange going on where he follows... Saul's dead body from the moment it's sent off from that <laughs> glorious paradise for his final 20 minutes of living. You know and then that. it's very deliberate. Watching yeah. it last night, I actually found myself thinking it's pretty telegraphed by the right about when Saul is told by the exchange, when he brings the books, the surveys that um, from Simonson's apartment to the, that old judge and the other judges or whatever at, at the exchange. And they are like, we have overwhelming evidence. And by that point, it's like, well, what, what could it possibly be? And it seems like what's, I don't know. It seems like it's pretty obvious by that point. And that's two thirds into the movie there. So, I mean, it's. Yeah. One, one of the cool, one of the things I uh, really like about the movie is the, the mystery of the movie from the uh, opening, right, right after the opening credits, isn't what is soil and grain. It's who killed. Simonson. Um, who killed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, played beautifully by Joseph Cotton. Yeah, and the 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 fact that like you know, so I Green, what is it? It's kind of an afterthought. And well, when you dig into the actual production, it it, it definitely is because fucking uh, the original writer hated the fucking idea. He called them idiot cannibal really? crackers, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the um, conceit of the film is based on just this murder, and it's a fucking really interesting murder mystery so right off the bat you 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 can kind of toss the fact that you already know this one of the greatest people aside and start enjoying yourself you know and also while we're on the subject i made a note i wrote down the hbo max description of the film like the by you know the little blurb like hey what's this movie about well here's what it's about a police officer in the year 2022 uncovers the deadly secret behind a mysterious synthetic food so even right there, like, <laughs> you, you know, it's it's pretty obvious in a lot of ways that there's something going on with Soylent. Like it's like it's like you know it's not it's not. I think it's everyone knows. The real question is, is there more here? And to me, this is an incredibly prescient film. Um, it makes sense that it like it came out in '73, like it did, because this was after the Ehrlich's release, the population bomb, which really kind of helped uh, intensify kind of alarmist concerns about overpopulation that had been kind of in the ether um, in academia before that point, like with Garrett Hardin's, the tragedy of the commons making this point that like technology won't save us. But then of course, technology did save us. Um, you know, I mean, we've, our population has doubled in the past 50 years since this movie came out and our food production has tripled basically. So, uh, and that's because of like agricultural science. So good on those people. But at the same time, like you go back and look at like stuff from this era and it's so polluted, you know, you got the Cuyahoga river just on fire. You got love canal. You got Lake Erie. Yeah. You got these just filth in every city. Just like, I mean, like people, the smog situation was out of control. Like how could these people look to the future and see anything, but the, the, the world of soil and green. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. This movie sets up, by the way, the beginning is just a 
relentless display oh, awesome. of endless imagery of the beginning of awesome. photographed humanity that continues and spirals nonstop. It's one of the most bizarre openings well, I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's like stands out. It, we're we're four years after like Butch Cassidy, which which was one of the first to do like the montage of a time elapse and in like the sweet like humorous manner to do it like this it, it 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 right off the bat for me as a first time viewer it tells me uh we're not fucking around here yeah. uh we're we're going to give you an evolution and a devolution in a lot of ways of humanity in what a minute and 20 seconds <laughs> with no dialogue yeah with this subversive soundtrack Fucking awesome. Yeah, that's what we in the history business call a declensionist narrative. <laughs> it's extremely bleak. Uh, but shout out to Charles Braverman, the guy that actually did that opening sequence. He had been making similar films for the Smothers Brothers and some other uh, places for, for more than four years. He'd been nominated for Academy Award as well. He um, So he was kind of um, doing this. But you're right, man. Like, uh, it that end, that opening is a jaw dropper. It is so like jaunty and like happy and like, hey, isn't progress great? Uh, and then you see like, the, <laughs> the, the 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 price of progress and like in a minute, it's incredibly well done. Yeah, it, so it sets a tone, okay, and then yeah. it sets a period of time. It's twenty twenty two. It's fifty years later from when the movie's created, and the world is bleak. But when you show up originally in. Uh, Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson's apartment, their tenement, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks very 1970s. I will say that. I, I couldn't get away from that. I'm like, okay, this, I'm like, is this movie not going to really provide a setting? I know it's an older movie. I get yes. that. But they still are trying to make this look like a future of the time. So when I originally saw the apartment scenery, I was a little suspect. But as soon as he went outside... Yeah. Then I was like, oh, okay, now this is really well done. It's green as fuck. People are wearing masks. It, it just looks bleak. There's shit everywhere, like cars that are wasted away and just shit everywhere. And it looks like chaos. And that is when I got much more appreciative and kind of bought into the fact that this is a bleak future. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing I like better in a science fiction film than shit not working. Because the, I believe that. And that's one of the complaints yes. that multiple characters have in this movie. Like, nothing works. Nothing fucking works anymore. Nobody knows how. And that's true today. I mean, like, you, you, people build houses and now they're, they're flimsy cardboard pieces of crap that you can hear people clearing their throat in the next room when it used to be they've stood, stood for generations. Because everything just kind of is churned out so much more quickly yeah. and, and profit-driven instead of, like, quality-driven. So, um yeah, Mara is trying to climb into my mouth as I speak. And the relationship um, was weird too. I'm like, what's the relationship between Saul and Thorn here? Like, they live together. I, not that right? I was, yeah, but I, I, not that I was overly reading into it. I'm just like, is this his it's father? Necessity. At first, I didn't know because <laughs> he's like, it's I necessity. love you. You love me too much. <laughs> oh, do I love it? No, it's necessity. necessity. Yeah. And and Mike, I love your point, and you nail it. I mean, critics nowadays, I suspect, will laugh mock at the costume design and all this you got to think about this in terms of the evolution of this universe progress stops i mean right. when this gets out of control fashion goes out the window so we're gonna still have these fucking dumbass like vests. We're gonna have hand-me-downs. I mean, everybody wears an ascot. Design of, the production design of the world <laughs> reflects uniform. that. 
everyone's using hand-me-downs. Yeah. The the tenements yeah. are the same. Every everything is is chilled and frozen in. 1973, wherever the fuck 20 million people from. want his job. He mentions that in the yeah. first scene. 20 million people would... I mean, that's a huge number when you hear it. I've, oh, no, employment's up. 20 million people would take my job? Wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Where is it that they said uh, how many people are in New York City? In the, uh, 40, 40 million. million. 40, no, the reality now is 9 million or almost 9 I, million. I meant to is, research that. Which is, oh, wow. uh, which is grossly different. But again, like... How could they think otherwise? In 1968, say when when this when the when the book that this movie is based right. on called "Make Room, Make Room" by Harris Harrison, I want to say Harrison, yeah, yeah. Um, when that book came out, that was um, the peak of population growth. We were at 2.1 percent population growth at that time per per year, and now we're at one percent and declining. So it wasn't just the agricultural sciences and stuff. There's also right. been a dramatic uh, slow down in terms of, of how many people are having babies. I mean, China stopped its whole policy of one child, and that's not that's not stopping the slowdown even in China, let alone in America, because everybody's too fucking poor to be able to afford <laughs> to have children. There's that uh, contraception. Yeah, contraception. Uh, yeah, women in the workplace, contraception. There's there's so many things that are are stalling it. Uh, yeah. women in the workplace. I mean. That, let's say more women in the workplace than in the 1970s so uh, more choice more people making the choice not to have kids too there's like more of a child-free cultural acceptance now too okay yeah yeah you're coming out of the sexual revolution in the 70s that makes sense but women in this movie so so women are called certain women are called oh. furniture they're created well. to be furniture uh they, this is one thing about the movie i think i'm going to give it full credit for although it's still pretty fresh for me they don't spell things out for you in this film at all yes. like everything is there's no there's minimal if any exhibition in this film whatsoever <laughs> you are just thrown into the world and you have to figure out what's what and yeah that is the kind of shit i commend especially in a bigger movie like this so i will give the credit for that but i believe the women that are that he's into when he you know the simonson gets murdered and this woman is his cheryl she's cheryl she's always there because she's, she's the like contractually she's yeah she's she really that's is like, like furniture. Yeah, that's and and he asks her, um, Thorn, you know, Heston's character asks her when he comes in, uh, you know, are you furniture? And, and she says, yes. yeah. And he goes, are, are you buildings or Simonson's building? Because she belongs to the building. Right. And, so they do have the conversation. That's true. And, yeah, yeah. She talks about how she is, how she would be, how she was always faithful to Simonson, how she would never cheat on him because she wouldn't risk her job. And then when they do have sex, her and Thorn. There is nary a word spoken about it. They just she just starts making the bed and pulling the sheets down and undressing. And he's he's interrogating her and he starts undressing. They never even talk about it. It's just accepted. It's like the, the, yeah. the it's and it's very misogynistic, obviously. Obvious, um, yeah, it should be like, obvious. But, but it also speaks to the desperation of impoverished people and what people are gonna do to get by in these circumstances. If you, you know, like if people are going to do whatever they have to do, people are going to sleep in stairways. People are going to allow themselves to, you know, are going to prostitute themselves. Basically people are going to do whatever they got to do to get their next fucking meal. Yeah. There's riot police on standby. Every time the Soylent is yeah. panned out on Tuesday is Soylent green day, of course, which is set up for us in the beginning. Oh That's actually the only exhibition really is that first little clip on the TV where the governor is talking with that guy. But other true, than that, man. you're right. It's a total well, free-for-all. watch the trailers just to, like, stop and think about this as a film in 1973. 
this is one of the big big movies to uh, start that uh, promotional drive, like where people were uh, looking forward to it because they, they they I watched some of the old uh, teaser trailers and some of the the stuff. It was like, what is Soylent Green? Like, uh, what is it? Oh, really? Like, this wasn't happening back then at all. So people were coming to this just to figure out what it was, uh, which is cool because it drove the commerce, but also. One of my favorite things about this movie, again, is it's not really about what 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 it is at all. Um, right. But it got asses in the seats. But yeah, it it was a market employee worked out. You're well, right, dude. I mean, yeah. and, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, please. Well, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like it, it is horrific what Soylent Green actually is. But what's horrific is the conditions that have been created and accepted. Um, Saul at one point before he before he lets himself die before he takes himself off to die he says he says something along the lines of nobody cares nobody does anything including me I'm complacent I should have gone home a long time ago and going home means like dying which was his actual last performance on film Edward G. Robinson in his last performance on film he's literally playing his own dead body that's that's right Dick Dick Ben Patton said he died that night no after they he died. What they he say. died two weeks after uh, they wrapped filming. Oh, it's hyperbole, but still, yeah. he knew he was he was on the yeah. way out. Yeah, he knew he knew he was dying and didn't tell anybody, and he knew that that was the last performance he was ever going to do. Which yeah, is incredible. Uh, well, so here's a beef I do have. Uh, <laughs> I know he is older than Charleston Heston, but is he that? I I don't think he looks terribly older. So uh, Saul is supposed. to... I don't think he does. I really don't. Saul is supposed to be from the generation, the last generation that saw things that Thorne has never seen. Like at the end of the movie, okay. Thorne is blown away by what he sees in Saul's yeah. final farewell requiem situation. All this beauty that we take for granted every day, oceans, uh, nature and deer and all this stuff. Right. And throughout the entire movie, Saul's telling Thorne what things used to be like. And we used <laughs> to have these vegetables and, and they have that, you know, the whole scene where they sit there and <laughs> That scene's so funny where they have that meal where they eat the I lettuce love, first. I love that scene. They, I love that scene. The bourbon the be- and the beautiful celery. Okay. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought this. Huh? One, one, not only is it coincidental that <laughs> Travis brings us stars have aligned. Travis brings us to the table where we are here in 2022. Fucking uh, Detective Thorne was born in 1980. Which yeah, uh, if, take it. If, if, correct me if I'm age. wrong. All three of us were born, so That's we are right. Thorne's age. And yeah. do they get into when uh, you know the cloud, the, the eclipse, and the, you know the primordial eclipse, and all this stuff came over the world? Not really, but we have to kind of assume that he understands a fucking ocean. And, and yeah, but again, that's but he hadn't seen it point. really. Right. Unless you see it with your own eyes, you're not going to get anything out of encyclopedia or anything. No, you're, yeah, we can't even fathom that. Frankly, it's it's. I mean, it's like dinosaurs. If we saw dinosaurs in real life, right, it would be something along those lines. Like, Maybe. wow, yeah. Or and also, you know. we're informed of what the world is like outside of the cities. You're you're trapped in the city. You're you're trapped. Um, you're not. You can't get into agricultural areas, right. the, the waste zones or whatever, waste disposal right. factories. Like everyone's kind of stuck in the city. So. Being that this took place, like I, I pretend as I watch the movie that the internet has failed, and that's why they have so many like books and stuff at the exchange, and that the oh. internet has broken down. So like there's all of the stuff that, and obviously they didn't even know that. I mean, well, no, the internet 
existed just not publicly in 1973. Thorne writes everything in his detective notebook, too. He uses a pencil. He's old school. Yeah, but pen and paper is rare, which... I really dug that. It made me think of it. Uh, That's why I want to ask King you guys: Did anyone yeah. did anyone get caught up at all? Because I didn't. But I'm curious. You got you know we're all sentimental fellows here at times. Like when the when he finds out there's hot water and he has the oh shower and oh, it's dude. so oh God. powerful to him. You're joking, I, I'm just, right? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, You're uh, yeah, he couldn't believe it. Travis, two of yeah. the most sentimental motherfuckers you'll ever meet in your whole life. <laughs> okay, uh, I think so, I've yeah. seen it too many times to get emotional. Yeah, this um, is a different case. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, when is it? I'm sorry. I I was weeping last night. I was weeping. When has a fucking yeah great a science fiction movie will do its best to save humanity? The fuck does that mean? Mm. Okay. When when's the last time you saw a a, a a film illustrate humanity? What it means to just be alive, not to mm-hmm. survive, not and, and, and especially that, not to just live through these circumstances, but to die, uh, but to, but to die in peace, uh, and 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 have the opportunity to just see something beautiful. Uh, uh, God, I was crushed. I mean, I I could talk about this forever, so I better stop myself short. But like, they didn't flirt with this yeah. at, at, at all. One also kind of um, extrapolating on that. One of the things I loved about the movie is that they don't judge anyone who isn't like Santini or, um, or even Tad, the bodyguard. Right. doesn't get that much right. judgment. I don't think like he, like he too, is just trying to make things work and live in this society and take care of his, of his woman who is his furniture as well. Right. Um, and, and you know, it's like the only people that really get judged in this movie are, are the corporations and the people that are like willing to you know, profit while other people die. Um, Dude. And so that's like, that's the, that's the soiling corporation and that's the governor. So if they, they are, they are picking out people, but like when, and when, when Thorne gets into the apartment and is interviewing the people, like he, he glances at the dead body, then goes straight to the food stores and starts like just obviously blatantly corruptively <sighs> stealing and grabbing right, whatever he could and he takes it here back to go. his chief and he gives his chief his cut and the chief is like yep yeah, this is how it works and and again like there's no judgments there. there's no judgments in the prostitution or the corruption because everyone just kind of has to fucking do what they have to do to get by we are yep. we're, we're in 73 man we're we're 10 years before a film like robocop makes the ceo the the number one the public enemy number one the guy can in control of everything, and I'm not going to name any names, but you know exactly who I'm talking about when it comes to like nowadays who would be controlling this. The CEO played so lovingly and tenderly by Joseph Cotton. He he doesn't give a fuck if he's about to be murdered. He does. He knows that even Simonson, he's not, yeah? Yeah. Simonson yeah. knows he's not directly involved, but his name is attached to this company, so he's. He's fucked and he's complicit. So you might as well kill me, even with a fucking cat's ball, wherever the fuck it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I love a- it. I, I love its message about complicity here. Yeah. He knows he's unreliable because he's going to, he's going to spill the beans. But um, why did you spill the beans? But one of the only <laughs> things I really um, had a problem with in this movie um, is is the fact that like Simonson is killed because of what he knows. And then the priest later right. is killed because of what he knows, but we got all right. these factory workers 
Um, all of these guys hauling bodies to and from, like, yeah, there, there's a whole, okay. like, like a whole, uh, like the, the secrets about to come out anyway, which maybe that's part of the point is that these corporate fucks would murder their own and murder priests, uh, to delay it by even a day. But, um, it's, it's coming it's the out. Ultimate secret. Those guys are, those guys are drinking the bourbon and who knows what as well. I mean, when you're those guys are at the top of the top, the absolute top. Yeah. The factory workers know if I say anything, this is gone, and I'm sleeping with a, on top of five people on a stairwell. Yeah. So they're not going to talk. Yeah. I mean, look at look at Simonson's apartment. That that computer game, that video game, uh, computer space <laughs> computer is the space. first. It's like the first at home computer system or, or video game system. This was actually the first time, supposedly, that a video game was like shown on film in a movie. Yeah, uh, and but that's like, and he, he's buying that for her just kind of on a whim because that's like, that's how he's living. You're right. Like, he he eats beef. He doesn't want to play though. He's like, you go ahead, you enjoy yourself, honey. Can we talk <laughs> about uh, uh, women in this film? Of course. Well, hang on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Before you get to that point, I wanted you guys were head all back and forth there. I want to mention that. Please do. Fired you talked because you talked about the. Robocop 15 years later. Oh, absolutely. This movie you could make a, a case for sets the tone for all of these movies. The 70s is filled with a lot of distrust, Marathon Man, China Syndrome. Right. Of course, Watergate is happening when this movie comes right. out, and Nixon resigns a year later after this movie comes out. And right. I think all of that is important context for the time and place and for the lineage of what you expressed about the movies to come, about the distrust of the man in charge. Distrust of government. Yeah, Yeah, and you're right. This did come out like during all of this uh, Watergate stuff. There was definitely a a feeling of governments can't be trusted. (laughs) Yeah, that's something you see. This is where movies can be even more enjoyable and fascinating because you you can't replicate that moment. When a movie comes out in its time, it can be even more impactful then it would be 50 years later because sure. we didn't get to live in that moment of a nation in crisis. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. a fun point that I think about. But yes, women in this film, we talked about, I think you stepped away for a second. We mentioned the furniture and the awfulness of being a woman, oh, sure. even though they get to they get to live very, very well. I mean, uh, Cheryl's apartment is amenities that people would literally yeah. kill for. So I that's do like, strange. Sure. But I do... Th- one of my issues with this movie is I think Cheryl gets a little sidetracked in the proceedings, uh, especially considering Thorne basically just he picks her up like she's a glass of bourbon and just uses her too. Yeah, Thorne's um, not a great guy, but yeah, again, no. you, you, and you, I you and I can dig it. that, and I right. can dig that, but but Cheryl doesn't defend herself in any type of way. Um, but I was under the impression. Yeah, I was under the impression that there was genetic alteration even happening here. Like these women could have been genetically modified to be this way too. They don't they don't say that, but I took some of that as like, who knows how this came to be? I really I mean, if, if so, that would inform the line about we're gonna be like cattle to to be food in the future. I mean you know, yeah. could be. That's true. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Eric, you're pissed. Come on, be pissed. <laughs> you don't I'm like not it. pissed. But uh, when you have sh- when you have the women as furniture and you have maybe two or three sh- excessively violent shots and very effective of a woman being shot in the head and then screaming out after she's been shot, that's some of the most violence I've seen in a, a picture from the 70s. 
And then the woman who shot later on in the picture when he, no, uh, no, Charlton no, Heston finally gets back to the comp and the, the, to the church. Yeah, um, they do seem to be a little bit cast aside. Well, uh, they are in society. They like. absolutely are, though. I, yeah, I think that's kind of the point that they're trying to make personally. Um, that's kind of what I got. And there is a man that's also shot in that riot scene as well. Um, but no, you, you're right. Women are easily discardable in this movie, as are as is everybody else, and they're literally discarded and turned think, into food. I think maybe the voice wasn't as pronounced as I would have liked it to be from the Cheryl character. She oh. seemed very resigned to me. It seemed yeah. like part of the society she lived in. So I just I didn't think it, I thought it was done well because that's how it would be for there. You, yeah. you can have that set up. But have your character not be as resigned. he asked her. Why don't you get more mad? Like why don't don't you get mad? And she's like, no, like she doesn't. Yeah, she. I mean, again, like we're talking about nineteen seventy three. So they're not going to write her the way that they would now. Um, so, I mean, what's true? Obviously, that's not a good thing. But that's just it is what it is. But they yeah. do. I think. But it emboldens Thorn in a weird way. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but I, I sure. But I mean, like again, like he's he's already taking um, everything from the apartment, and he views her as a thing. But she has agency. I mean, she talks about how I mean, she's trying to get away from the place. She talks about how she'll lie about her age to to she'll do whatever to to stay where she's at because um, this is the she says this is like a home to me. It it clearly is your home, but like that, but, but she could be out on her ass at any time because all it takes is, is a new tenant that doesn't want her. So this completely tenuous existence, she's gonna go along to get along or get along to go along or whatever the fucking phrase is. Um, but so yeah, I, I mean, I think that I, I I get your point, and I think we should be uncomfortable with all of this. I mean, you're right you, to point this out. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. I, I just think that there's you have um, two characters with. Cheryl and then Martha, who's played by Paula Kelly, who are basically in the same situation. They're the furniture of these penthouses who are expected to do what they want to do. Neither seems as defiant as I'd like them to be. In, I mean, in terms as of you would role. like them to be in the year 2022, as you would like them to be. I mean, <laughs> again, like. But if you're going to be prescient, say, hey, maybe have them say, like, uh, I don't just want to be a prostitute. Like, a, why can't I fight? She, she gets mean, mad at him for calling her furniture. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she I mean, says, don't sell me that again. That's right. I mean, I don't know. I, again, I, I I get your points. I just think that you're thinking a little anachronistically. Um, this is a this is a Charlton Heston movie from 1973 that you have yeah. women speaking at all is uh, fascinating. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. I still think he looks too old. I still think he looks too old, but whatever. I'm not going to die on that hill. Uh, I just always think of him as old, too. That's going to be a problem for me just because I've always seen him as an old man. It's a minor detail, but I mean, this this movie does a great job of really providing the terror of inefficiency, dysfunction, yeah. and apathy, most importantly, I think. I think a lot of it, they do not say it all oh, the right. time, but you mentioned what Saul said earlier about even me. I didn't do anything. Nobody cares anymore. Right. That is one of the biggest points I think this movie makes. That Yes, there's always going to be evil mechanisms that are trying to take control of situations, but how do people respond? I think that's a big message of this film, and I took that. For sure. No, I think you're right. I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to be there. And and I also really like speaking of prescience, um, what it has to say about climate change. I mean, it's got yeah! this line where um, where Saul says a heat wave all year long, the greenhouse effect, everything is burning up, and Thorne is just saying the, the words along with him because because 
Uh, Saul has been saying that for years, which I would too. I mean, I'm always, I'm already complaining about the heat and it's only April. We um, both do. Yeah. <laughs> we hate it. It's too hot. Fucking year round heat wave. And, and, and you he feel lo- it. You feel <laughs> this movie. He, he walks into the apartment. He steals that girl's yeah. drink and he's like, ice. Oh. Great. <laughs> air conditioning. He's, right. Yeah. He's doing this whole monologue by the air conditioner. Like, oh, it's yeah, you're right. And we're not talking enough about the environmental chaos in this film. You're right. Yeah. And, and 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 the restriction on resources as well. Like he's so geeked about a bar of soap, you know, like like the, the little things, pens and paper, and like this is the kind of stuff that you know that was the nightmare for people in 1973. That's a nightmare that we have now. Like, will we suffer from want in the Where's future? Where's my toilet paper? This, yeah, exactly. But this movie also gives me hope because I mean, if they were freaking out about this almost 50 years ago, hopefully it won't be that bad 50 years from now. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, what did hope get soil and green community? I don't know how far well, it got them either. So they, they did not predict correctly for the year 2022. We'll give them that. They did not. They're right. So we can feel good about that. Yay! Producers and writers, you don't know <laughs> shit about the future. We know it better yeah. than you because we're Pres- living in it right now. It. Prescient, yeah, but they didn't accurate. predict. Pop- it's prescient, but <laughs> that's a really good well, point. They were also warning about a second ice age in the, throughout the 70s as well. So can't forget that. Uh, there's some cheesiness to this movie that is just because it's from that time and it, it would be that way always. You know, the guy in the aviators, the evil man, the <laughs> yeah. you know, the guy that, you know, X-Files, the smoker, the famous guy that we all think of the behind the situation, pulling the strings, the governor and his henchmen. So it's cheesy and stupid. I don't care. I'm just making the point that it's of its time. Yeah, no, it's a little there's there's some contrived shit in here for sure. Um, some of some stuff that you know feels less than hollow. Some stuff uh, less than like that rings a little hollow. Some stuff that that kind of like I'm like you you really think in the future they're still going to have operators? Why didn't you think this one through? Like <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? Uh, there's a few things where it's like how do they not think of that? But overall, I mean, I, I find it uh, incredibly forward looking in ways that are startling and again like i said sometimes weirdly comforting in that um it's not as bad as it turned out it didn't turn out as bad as they predicted but did either of you think about who charlton heston became as a human being in real life and the the <laughs> representation of no, no god no I, deliberately must he must I only be an guy. avatar for this character i can't think about him as a Right, but if you wanted to label this movie, I don't want to, but some people would say that yes, it's a it's kind of a leftist film about, you know, representing a society that has fallen apart because of all the dumb shit we've done to ourselves. And Charlton Heston was a star of it. So it certainly crossed my mind. I don't want to get too oh, Luke boy. on this, but I saw it that way. Too well, I, don't, I don't know how <laughs> leftist Luke. it necessarily is, although I do agree okay, that one of the well, one of the things that people forget about the, the like the hippies and like the whole Earth catalog and all that kind of stuff is is that there was like this this fear of overpopulation and that we, hey we should start a commune so we can make our own butter and that kind of shit. Um, True. So there is some of that, but I I I find the through line leads more to right wing politics in that the um, the belief that governments well not, actually no I don't know if that's fair either. I think it's neither right nor left really. Um, I, I mean, look, the idea that government institutions fail and are, can't be depended on is a pretty right wing kind of thing. But making the bad guy the corporation is a pretty left wing kind of thing. So and in reality, we're we're fucked by both of these institutions on a regular basis as peoples, which is one of those you know, one of those problems with dividing ourselves into these camps anyways, because we don't necessarily always recognize that. Ma'am. Count on ten. You can count on both your hands the the films that were 
trying to do this dystopian thing in the 70s. Fahrenheit 451, Laura the Flies, uh, Brave New World. And, and everyone's trying to look Omega for man. An, and someone, to, a mega man, to point the finger at here, man. And um, what I dig about this film probably the most is at the end of the day, like the, 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 the issue is discovered, but it's not resolved. Right. Okay. Um, like it, it'd be very easy, especially nowadays to remake this and say like, Oh, where do we go from here? Let's, let's, let's take out like the fucking guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, this is so salient here, man. Like, um, yeah, we're not directly the tide isn't directly turning to this overpopulation thing because of the uh things we've discussed earlier in terms of how maybe we have some sort of control here. But it it's saying, "Hey, heads up. This could happen." But more importantly, man, pe- the people that miss the point about this movie, it's a, a severely impactful emotional drama just about people doing their jobs and trying to live. What I take from the movie is the relationship between Thorn and Roth, um, primarily, okay? Uh, everybody is in a desperate situation in one way or another, okay? All over the world, people are in a desperate situation. Uh, do we do nothing? And if we have the capacity to do something, especially for an agency of the law or whatever you want to call it, what do we do? Do we do we do we um, imbibe in our vices like Thorne does sometimes? <laughs> Fucking grabbing drinks off people, just stealing everything he can, or or does he do what uh, somebody like uh, Saul does, which is get the information? Uh, and then say, I can't do anything about this and maybe die happily. I mean, <laughs> it's pessim- it's pessimistic, man. But um, there's so many unanswered questions here in terms of these characters. This is that that's what the residue is, man. I mean, that that's what makes for a powerful film. It gives you more questions than answers. Yeah, well put. And like the classic 1970s discomforting ending. It'd be so easy to be like, right, now yeah. what? Are you going to go take on the corporation? <laughs> no. That's no. not the point. Yeah. Uh, okay, gosh, wow. I feel I feel like you were kind of going into like your wrap-up there. <laughs> I thought you uh, were too. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm ready like to... I'm, I could talk about this movie for another two hours. <laughs> uh, well, let's hit a few couple more points before we wrap this up. Uh, you guys always take good notes. Travis, any other notes? You've seen this movie the most, so I really want to get more out of you before we wrap this up. Um, I, I think I made a lot of my main points. Um, I, I, you know, Soylent controls half the food population in the world, or excuse me, half the um, half the world's population's food supply. Um, the Soylent Company does another kind of um, salient, good use of that word, Eric. I'm going to echo it. Uh, um, I know, puppy. Oh, it's on. okay, Mara. Salient's a good word. She, she's done. Um. <laughs> It's another kind of um, moment where um, I toy, my dog made me lose my thread. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about just now. What was I saying? Uh, you were talking about the food supply and half the world's oh, food supply. Yeah, is run yeah, by yeah. So, like, you know, uh, uh, the concentration of wealth, uh, uh, too much 
corporations having too much power. So, so, so people are concerned about that as if there hadn't been that before the Gilded Age and whatnot, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, football helmets are probably not the best uh, <laughs> riot gear. Yeah. Um, having no <laughs> uniform is an interesting choice for policemen, but I think that's on purpose. They literally have like silver fucking um, windbreakers and kerchiefs that they wear. <laughs> and and like I, I, it's, it's weird because it's like where are the uniforms? And, and and I think they're trying to tell us that like in the future it'll be even less distinct who's in charge, maybe less less clear who who to you know. I mean, he's just like barging into people's buildings and he's like, yeah, I'm a cop. And he offers no badge. He has no fucking uniform on that recognizable to us. That's I found interesting. I also learned that the ending how it's just thorn slowly putting the pieces together by yeah. going step-by-step -step process of the entire soiling green process with yeah. no words in it. And apparently this was agreed upon by the screenwriters and I don't awesome. want this to be an action movie. So there'll be no, I don't want any dialogue that turns this into an action sequence. I thought that was really cool that there's no dialogue in that. I mean, I agree. A, have a climax with no dialogue and then some pretty decent uh, stunts where these guys are getting thrown, you know, for the seventies, um, getting thrown off of shit and landing yeah. on the scoops. Oh, the scoops? The Remember the scoops? And, oh, the scoops? Yeah. I mean, that looks actually like that... some fairly dangerous stunts there. I mean, yeah. you, you could fall out of that thing and crack your head pretty easy. I agree. Or get squished, apparently, which... Gilbert, never quite, yeah, never Gilbert. quite bought that the, that one guy that you're the assassin that gets squished. He's like yeah. perfectly flattened like a pancake. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. like out of a cheesy movie. It's like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He's going to be blown up like a balloon again. And, ah, remember oh me, Eddie, when I kill your brother? Talk like this. So high pitched. Good God. <laughs> oh, we love you, Christopher Lloyd. All right, so having said all that, I think it's time to maybe. Find out, does Soylent Green hold up or not? Uh, it feels like you should go first, Travis, because you seems obvious, or am I wrong? Yeah, it holds up, man. I love this movie. I, I knew, I mean, I watched it like a year ago or so, and I, I you know, I, I brought it to the table because I, I knew I liked it. I was, on, I thought at least one of you maybe had seen it. I figured you hadn't, Mike, but um, it seems like you've gotten some stuff out of it, which is good. I mean, every time I say science fiction, you cringe or make an ugly noise. And uh, so, you know, I, I, for you to have gotten something out of it makes me feel happy. And that's why I wanted to watch the movie with you guys. I think that there is, um, despite the, the, the major spoiler everyone gets before they go in and watch this movie, there's, there, is, there is good artistry here. The matte paintings. We didn't talk about these beautiful matte paintings in this film. Um, <laughs> it looks really good for its time frame. I think that um, it handles a lot of complex issues and does it pretty well. Um, to steal a point that you made, Mike, I, I love that it doesn't over... Um, you know, doesn't give us like overly, it doesn't over exposition us, you know, like it, we piece things together as we go along. It trusts its audience to be intelligent. I think it's a finely crafted movie and I always have. And uh, I, I'm happy to watch it with you guys. Yeah, it holds up. All righty. Travis says it holds up. Uh, Eric, you want to go next? You want me to go next? What do you want to do? I'll leave it you, to your you choice. Go you go okay. next. Okay. Uh, Science fiction, to me, is just a dangerous ground because you can make a bad movie uh, a lot easier, it seems like, because you're trying to do things that are usually futuristic or otherworldly, and it can be risky. That's all. I think that's my main issue with science fiction. It can go bad very quickly. Not that a rom-com can't. I mean, there's tons of awful rom-coms, so maybe I just 
blew up my own point, but uh, this isn't what I expected it to be, and it's not as bad or schlocky and cheesy as uh, I thought it might be. So that's a good thing for this film, that it tries to really paint a future that would seem realistic. And it is incredibly realistic to me based on the actual nuts and bolts of what they provide you. Some of the... You know, some of the looks and some of the decor and some of the inner set pieces, whatever, they look like they're from the 70s. Okay, that shit happens. So I can forgive that because, as you mentioned, the matte paintings and the beautiful exterior shots that they're able to create a massive world, those huge riot scenes with hundreds of people wearing masks and they're all dirty and everything's dirty and gross and, and the chaos and the fear. And you constantly feel the stress and pressure. He finds that woman who's laying dead in front of his apartment with the kid chained to his dead mother on the church just, right. yeah right. on the church steps that's right yeah, yeah. so he right. just you know brings the kid in here you go father here's another one anyways like he's not a yeah. good guy either but he does good things you yeah. know anyways <laughs> anywho <laughs> i got shit to do uh it, but that's how that would be in fact i love that he didn't like they didn't harp on that moment where it was like oh man let's have an emotional moment here a dead woman with her child right chained to her on the ground outside the building oh my goodness that wouldn't be thorn's character motivation so the motivations are sound for all the characters uh, it's prescient enough which also makes me interested and i think about the historical time when it was made <laughs> and you put all this together and i really can't make an argument for it not holding up i just can't so i'd say soil and green holds up and uh, if you've never seen it, first time viewer here, just watched it a few hours ago, I would strongly recommend you check it out. Yep. Get a mirror it, man. I'm telling you, man. This is 1973. This is 50 years ago. This is a film that's attempting to, you know, maybe tongue-in-cheek way, uh, predict what might be happening another 50 years from now. We're seeing this shit, man. Deny it all you want to, man. Look at uh, L.A., the over the, the homelessness, the smog, you can see that green haze if you just put your eye there. Okay, it's happening, and, and even if it's not there, there's there's um there's a there's a fine line between uh, allegory in the seventies and actual reality. And back then, yeah, they were saying this might happen, but we're getting close, dude. So if, if, if you're interested in the, uh, a creative element that will show you uh, a possibility that's not too far off, check it out and, and, and uh, think for yourself where we might be here, man, because it's getting real. And, and we got a film here that's, that's been kind of accused of being cheesy and kind of a, a, a joke movie. I bring up the Titanic aspect here man it doesn't matter if you know the titanic sunk what happened to those people on the titanic and why did it sink check it out uh i i love charlton heston's soulful performance here man uh this was a great like hard-boiled leading man that i i gotta be honest with you man i was digging and i think has a bad rep is <laughs> kind of a joke loved him in the picture uh, Edward G. Robinson is a classic, like, hey, see, like, uh, he was that guy. He, he was, <laughs> hey, see, like, give me the thing, see. Yeah. That was him. That <laughs> was yeah, Edward Shane. G. Robinson. Yeah. All those, like, that was Edward G. Robinson. That was him. He's fucking fantastic in this movie. It's great. Uh, as a person who sees no way out, and the only thing he sees is um, solace. 
man. And you don't see a lot of dystopia movies where uh, dying is the best solution ever. It's always about survival. But hey, sometimes, man, um, you don't even have a pair in terms of like poker. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) what? What? (laughs) In terms of uh, poker, man. But like, uh, honestly, man, this is a beautiful film, man. Directed so uh, tenderly by Richard Fleischer. This is the son of Max Fleischer, man. You've seen all these old Superman cartoons. This is the father of a classic, gorgeous animation. Director of Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Um, Boston Strangler, man. Forbidden Planet? Uh, It's a lost hero in film. you got to check this out. These performances are off the charts, man. And the message is solid, and it's still there. Everyone talks about fucking Lord of the Flies and Animal Farm in 1984. Forget this uh, Soul and Green is People shit, man. This is a great, positive, I don't know, message, dystopian film you got to check out. Loved it. Fucking loved it. Holds up completely. That's That's two wins for me. I feel like I won something. I've been trying Yay! to get you guys to watch this movie for like 30 years. <laughs> you did it. You did it, my friend. Yeah. And it right. uh, seems like we agree on right. lately. Everything's holding up. We need something that sucks. So we need it soon. <laughs> and hopefully we can bring that to you next week. That's right. Yeah. That's Soil and Green. <laughs> so Soil and Green, check it out. If you watch this show or listen to it for some reason at this point, you haven't seen the movie, that would make no sense. So just never never mind what I'm saying. It's babble and gobbledygook. So, ignore me. Ignore me. Eric Bradstrom, you are on the board for God next week. You haven't been on the board in a while because you were out of town, so this must be an exciting moment for you. Take it away. Yeah. One of the great things about this show is we get the opportunity to see a film that we used to talk about, people would say they liked, so you'd probably just say you liked it too. The poster was on the wall, so it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, everybody likes this. Do they? This, in my opinion, is something very interesting to investigate, especially in terms of how we perceive uh, the rich in this country and how um, we aspire to even be rich or, or be ballers and all this sort of shit in this day and age. And back in the year 2000, when this film came out, I think people were still there, like, like make money and like uh, have everything, and like who cares about it? I'm interested to go back because people used to love it back in the day, and it was, I don't know, Ben Younger is a filmmaker. It was probably one of his either only or one one or two films back in the day that he came up with, but everybody loved it. The poster was on everybody's college dorm boiler boiler room. room? Oh, I yep. got it. Yeah. Room. yeah, that's a good call, man. We haven't, that seems like a, it was a big in the zeitgeist when it came out and for a few years and, and now no one talks about it. I haven't heard, I, I haven't heard anything in 20 years. Yeah. Seems like an ideal one for the show. Good call, dude. Yay. All right. Boiler room. Wow. I didn't see that coming, but that's exciting. And next week we will talk about it on the cinema nine podcast, cinema nine pod, a proton mail.com. And of course, 
five stars. Apple Podcasts, five stars. And Spotify, help the show grow. Expand our base so that we can learn more about movies. It never ends. There will always be film. And then we're grateful <laughs> for that. Travis Roy, Eric Bradshaw, Michael Govier, and for Mara, we wish you guys a wonderful what have you. Like great dreams.